You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday. I'm Josh Ward alongside Andrew Wade, and we have a lot to dive into in this show, including Andrew. How about it's not necessarily history, but he's added to a short list uh, as Devontae Smith wins the Heisman Trophy, the fourth wide receiver to do so, and the first since Desmond Howard uh, back in the early 90s. Tim Brown shortly before that. So at, at that time, it looked like, hey, maybe we'll go on a run of wide receivers and then here we are 30 years later, finally adding another one to the list as uh, Devontae beat out Trevor Lawrence, then his teammate, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. It's quite a story, something that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. And I think, a, I think a pretty cool story, Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. What do you think about the result and the story itself? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think it's amazing to see a wide receiver win it. I think it's amazing to not see a quarterback win it by default. I was actually, I almost put money on Trevor winning it, even though we talked about it last week and I said it should be Devonte, simply because I was concerned that some of these voters might be voting on a legacy award. Right. And I think there's been issues with other award voting in the past, but I'm, I'm glad to see they finally got, not finally, they got it right this time though, with Devonte Smith um, well-earned anyone who watched that Alabama Notre Dame game, uh, I mean, holy hell, he just – he made Notre Dame look like they were a junior high team. And, and they knew he was getting the ball. They knew he was the main guy getting the ball. I think that's what's most impressive about it is Alabama lost Jalen Waddle, and they basically said, we're going to run down your throw with Najee Harris and we're going to throw the ball at Devontae Smith almost every time. And we dare you to stop it. And teams just couldn't at all. And I think that's one of the most impressive things about it. Yeah, here's where he is numbers-wise. This is after the semifinal game, so that would not have factored into voting. But 105 receptions, 1,641 receiving yards, 20 touchdowns. And you can look at it and say, okay, well, Jalen Waddell wasn't there, so that allowed Devontae to get more targets, maybe more opportunity. But also, I would say that allowed him to get more attention from opposing defense. They have other good players, but losing Waddle was a big loss in the offense. And boy, did Smith step up. And I would actually consider that as well. They needed him to become a better player or, or a more active player, and he delivered. So uh, he, he was terrific. And this is a year where the quarterbacks that we kind of bounced around from Mac Jones to Kyle Trask at the beginning of the year, a lot of the talk was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Obviously, Ohio State's season was different. It could have gone to Trevor. Trevor just edged out Mac Jones for the number two spot, but it wasn't really all that close. The final voting, Devontae Smith had 1,856 points. Then Trevor Lawrence was at 1,187. He edged out Mac Jones by 57 points, and then Kyle Trask was at 737. Devontae had a little bit more than double the amount of first-place votes as Trevor Lawrence. So, in the end, it was a runaway by Devontae Smith. Maybe that's fitting, too, because that's what he does on the field. He runs away from his opponents. Absolutely. I love how you tie that all in together because, he I mean, he's he's just a phenomenal wide receiver. And the fact that, again, we look at his numbers, 40% of Mac Jones' passing yards went to Devontae Smith. That's how big of an impact he had on that offense for the number one team in the nation. Uh, I think finally for the first time we had the MVP – of the team and the best player in college football on the exact same team. Typically you see it you're kind of given to the best player of the best team, not necessarily the best player in college football, but I'm glad it went to Devonte Smith. I, what I do want to point out something, the fact that Trevor Lawrence did get second place though, is a little bit concerning to me. I hate how we do the voting prior to 
the college ball playoffs because Trevor Lawrence didn't look that great against Ohio State. Ohio State defense that isn't that great either. And I, I think, again, you look at what Devontae Smith did. Um, if there was any doubt at that point, there should have been no doubt after the college ball playoffs. But again, I don't like how we do the voting, but I'm glad they got it right. I'm glad it was Devontae Smith. Uh, well earned. I hope this means down the road, we're going to see more non-quarterback position players get this award. I don't think it will, but I think it's cool. It's a nice trend. Hopefully we set that precedent uh, like we thought we might have early in the 90s. Yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think that this will create more open-minded thoughts, if that's the way it should be described, for non-quarterbacks to get more consideration for the award? I think it depends. I don't, I really don't think it will. I hope it does, but I do think this is basically the perfect year where there wasn't a quarterback who had a, and they talk about the Heisman moment and there wasn't a quarterback who had a Heisman moment. Trevor Lawrence was, um, was out with COVID for a couple of games. Justin Fields looked pretty bad against Northwestern and Ohio state. Kyle Trask really struggled, um, you know, in the sec championship game. Uh, Najah Harris thought was really great, but he was definitely overlooked on his own team and Mac Jones had a solid season, but again, 40% of his targets went to Devonte Smith and you cannot ignore that. I think the stars have to really align for that to happen. And I just don't think they align that often. It's just, it's tough, especially when you're, especially as a wide receiver. And I think um, someone made a point about this. Uh, I can't remember where I saw it at, but this wide receiver group has been phenomenal at Alabama for years. And especially last year, they had four, what's going to be four first round picks on that roster at wide receiver. Um, it's not about one of those players being the best. It's about trying to get all of them actively involved. And when you do that, it actually hurts their stats, which hurts their opportunity to potentially win a Heisman Trophy. And again, the Heisman Trophy typically going to one of the better players on one of the best teams. Andrew, I have locked on balls covering Tennessee. And at one point, Tennessee got a lot of consideration, <clears throat> excuse me, consideration for the title wide receiver you and Clemson's a school that's been getting some attention there as they've had DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins T Higgins was a recent players had a really good year uh, first year with the Cincinnati Bengals but uh, we were talking about this on the radio in Knoxville Alabama would have to be wide receiver you right now right because of all you mentioned it it went from okay th there was like a a rotation of who's the who's the next number one guy it was Julio it um you know Mari Cooper Calvin Ridley. Now it's, you just have an abundance of talent. Those four guys you mentioned, three of them came in in the same signing class. We talked about that last week. Uh, it's it's wild what Alabama has done at that position, and that's a big part of why Alabama's offense has been close to unstoppable the last few years. Yeah, I don't mean to tie in the Hawkeyes, but when you look at Alabama's wide receiver room, they have more NFL draft picks in their room right now than Iowa has had in the last 25 years at the wide receiver position. That is absurd to me. But yeah, I think and I think wide receiver U and those U titles definitely um, vary depending on you know the four to five year period. I think Clemson has a case for the last 20 years, but absolutely right. In the last five years, I don't know how you don't give it to Alabama, especially with these wide receivers and what they're doing in the NFL as well, making such a big impact. Some of those Clemson guys haven't been I don't I'm not trying to piss on Clemson they they the wide receivers are doing well in the NFL but just haven't done as well as some of these other guys I mean Calvin Ridley's a stud with Atlanta Julio Jones has been top three wide receiver in the NFL for the last 10 years or however long it's been Amari Cooper is an absolute beast when he has a quarterback who can throw him the ball I mean th those are I mean they're not only succeeding at the college level but they're going to the NFL level and being the number two number three guy in the league which I think is also something to add to that resume as well yeah, and then one more item that I would throw in in terms of look at that trophy case fill up before Nick Saban arrived at Alabama with all the school's history, the program had never produced a Heisman Trophy winner. Since Nick Saban arrived, 
Alabama has produced three Heisman Trophy winners. Mark Ingram, think about that, none, none at quarterback. Uh, they could have with Mac Jones or Tua, but uh, you had Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, and now Devontae Smith, two running backs and a receiver. Finding a non-quarterback to win the Heisman, as we mentioned a moment ago, is pretty tough. Alabama's done it three times with Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, I think that part of that's the scheme of Alabama, the fact that there's been two running backs, because before they had two uh, – sure. They didn't have a lot of great quarterbacks who were going to be potential first-round picks, so they were very much a run-dominant team. Um, I don't know why it took them so long to get an explosive passing attack considering how well they do recruiting, but, man, hats off to Nick Saban. Um, I wish he would have just stuck with the Dolphins, man. You know, just just don't go to college football because Alabama is just such a such a ridiculous school. They are so good. It's fun to watch. We're, we're going to look back at this in 20, 30 years and be like, oh, you remember sure. that time where we saw Alabama – and Clemson just go back and forth and back and forth and dominate the college football landscape for 10 to 15 years. Um, it's honestly, it's an unprecedented run in my opinion too. You talk about Tennessee in the late nineties, Nebraska in the late, you know, the late nineties. Is this one of the most impressive runs we've ever seen though? Cause this has been going on for yep. longer than just 10 years. This is, this has been since I've been paying attention to college football. Yeah, uh, the amount of titles, the amount of time Alabama has spent at number one, including the present time as Alabama is looking for a seventh national championship uh, for Nick Saban, be the sixth with him. He had one at LSU as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's been an incredible run, and uh, they're looking to continue it Monday and beyond. Or is it beyond Monday? An update on the schedule for the national title game with Alabama and Ohio State when we come back here on Locked On College Football with today's show presented by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar I think you're going to find anywhere. And Andrew, we love it as well for the versatility from a middle of the morning to afternoon snack, a meal replacement in the morning if you're trying to get your day going. And the Built Bar, it's not only a, a bar that's going to help you with the nutrition, but the flavor. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They have a ton of different flavors, nut and non-nut flavors for you to choose from at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, and they keep coming out with seasonal flavors as well. So if, you, if you're pretty content with one or two flavors, I mean, I've been pretty content with salted caramel um, and the cookies and cream. But then I, I tried the pumpkin chocolate chip and I got hooked on that. I just recently tried peppermint brownie or candy cane brownie. And holy hell, that knocked my socks off. It was so delicious. So keep checking out the website because they have plenty of new flavors coming out as well. As you mentioned, the, the flavor is phenomenal, but so are the health benefits as well. One of my favorite flavor profiles, that cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. You talk about that midday snack. You talk about the after workout snack. It literally fits into any part of your day and gives you the health benefits you need while also eating a delicious candy bar. So go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on you'll get 20 percent off your next order use promo code locked on for 20 percent off at builtbar.com andrew some reports came out on tuesday that there were some concerns with covid situations covid 19 issues with ohio state's program that could potentially move the national championship game past monday since then we've heard from alabama's athletic director and then bill hancock who's the executive director of the college football playoff coming out and saying no they're focused on monday the schedule is unchanged and monday it is for the national title game i suppose that could change but uh, it looks like the plan is still on monday now i wonder what issues might they have how could it affect the buckeyes you know in that state you have the cleveland browns that are dealing with their head coach being unavailable, plus some players for the playoff game against the Steelers. Let's see if there's any kind of real impact on Ohio State for the game against Monday. You, you uh, Against Alabama on Monday, you obviously want as much help as you can get against the Tide. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate that 
we're coming to this now with a national championship game and Ohio State has COVID issues again. This is not a new thing. They've had to miss a couple games this season, partly because of other schools, partly because they had COVID issues. Um, I also saw some things, and I don't, I'll, we, I'll get into that in a second, but I also saw some uh, – allegations that Ohio state might be doing this, try to get Justin Fields healthy, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. The dude played with basically broken ribs against Clemson and lit it up. I don't think that's, that's the issue. And anyone who would do that and take advantage of that truly is not a good person because that's not okay either. But I, I, what sucks about it is that I want to see both these teams play at full strength. Do I think Ohio state can beat Alabama? They could, but I'm pretty sure Alabama is going to win. But regardless, I would like to see both of these teams at full strength. And if that means waiting an extra week, I think the college football playoff committee should look at doing that. The two teams should look at doing that um, because it's not Ohio state on the field, even at full strength is not really a good matchup for, for an Alabama squad. And I think if you come out there and you're missing anywhere between five and eight starters, you're screwed. And that's, that's not good for college football. Anyways, that's not good for the product, but I guess it is the world we live in. Yeah, I want it to be a good game, a competitive game. It doesn't matter to me which team wins, Ohio State or Alabama, but I do want it to be a close one, uh, one that comes down to the wire in the fourth quarter, especially considering what we saw in the two semifinal games. It was a surprise that Ohio State won the game, but Ohio State did the blowing out. So we still got a blowout as expected, just a different side of what most people, I think, thought would happen if if it was a double-digit affair. Uh, So I'm with you there. Justin Fields was really good, and uh, I don't know that he's going to be out there at 100%, but I also think if they protect him, he can make plays. He can throw the ball down the field, and let's see how much he runs the football. But even after he he went back out there against Clemson, and he's wincing, and he looks like he's ginger, and you see him getting up on the bike and having a tough time, but then he's able to go out there and make plays, uh, that that dude's going to do everything that he can to go out there. And uh, Also, I want to mention the, the quote from – Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, he also confirmed that Ohio State is planning on playing on Monday, but he, he did say this, quote, we intend to play on January 11th and we continue to communicate with the Big Ten and now the college football playoff. So at this point in time, we see the game being played, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. That's COVID. We're on track right now. So that's Ohio State's athletic director. I think what's interesting, so I have two things to say to that. First, the, the Justin Fields thing. Um, I have I, I don't mind Justin Fields. I've, I've haven't been the world's biggest fan of him, but I think he's a good player. And I saw him on QB one. and I really liked what I saw. I mean, just a, a good guy overall, but maybe not the most productive player from when I watched his games, especially the big ones. Right. But that, that game against Clemson and the fact that when he was trying to get on the bike, it looked like it was the most painful thing in the world. I was like, I've thrown my back out and like trying to get on a bike is really painful. And I was like, I could not imagine in any way, shape or form. Again, throwing your back out is not like breaking a rib. It's a lot easier to throw your back, or a lot less painful to throw your back out, I should say. I cannot imagine then going out and lighting it up on the football field against Clemson. That's absurd. So I gained so much respect for him. And I think um, if you're an NFL talent evaluator and you're looking at what he did, I mean, you have to love the competitive spirit of Justin Fields to not leave that game and to can you continue playing. Um, as far as the quote about the Big Ten, what I find interesting about that is the Big Ten has the most the strictest policies in college football as re- in regards to how they can handle COVID situations. And they've already gotten a little bit looser on those. And a lot of that is due to like contact tracing and then also whether or not you're positive and how long get to sit out, which I think is now 17 days as opposed to 21 days, which it originally was. This game is played sooner than 17 days. So if these kids or these you know young adults test positive are all of a sudden cleared technically from COVID within that 10 day time frame. Big 10 wouldn't allow it, but 
would the Big Ten change for Ohio State? I think we've seen the Big Ten do about everything they could, jump over every hoop they could to make sure Ohio State could get in this game. I think at this point, why not just let it go and say, if you're good, we're going to play with whatever the SEC is good with, whatever Alabama is good with. We're going to try to get this game and get as many players in to make sure that we are represented well as well because it doesn't look good for the Big Ten to go to this championship game and get blown out either. Are Big Ten fans pulling for Ohio State, so non-Buckeye fans like Iowa fans? Uh, I'm guessing Michigan fans are not, but most Big Ten fans. What do you think there? Because, you know, there's the there's the SEC pride, SEC chant, and I, I think a lot of SEC fans want Bama to win so that the SEC is represented, even though that might hurt you because Bama just gets stronger. Even though it doesn't look like it can get any stronger, it seems to keep doing that. It's an int- that's a very interesting question because it depends on who you ask. I know that's not the answer you want. I would say it's honestly 50-50 because there's some people, like I have a lot of really good Nebraska, I have a lot of good friends who are Nebraska fans and they feel like they are getting the shaft from the Big Ten and Ohio State gets everything and they're the spoiled child and they hate Ohio State because of it. They don't want anything to happen good to Ohio State. I'm one of I'm one of those people that believes that it's good for the Big Ten. And you have a, a subsection of fans as well who are like, the Big Ten is just as good as the SEC, and we want to prove it. And so if Ohio State can beat uh, Alabama, that gives more ammunition to the fact that Ohio that the Big Ten is just as good as the SEC. And you see that bias literally playing out across now. I mean, David Pollock, what an Honestly, what an idiot. I, I don't care. I, the fact that he keeps – anytime the SEC loses a game, they're not motivated. And anytime they win a game, it's because the SEC is the best freaking conference in the nation. It just pisses me off. So uh, you got me riled up. But basically yeah, – the, the Bulls the bowls will get a lot of opinions like that, right? They will. They will. And I, I understand it to an extent. But come on, don't take it away from some of these schools. Um, mm-hmm. But, yes, I, I think the majority of fans in the Big Ten are rooting for Ohio State to win. At this point, why not? They're the best team in our conference. You kind of have to root for them if you want your conference to look good. Again, then you get some of the people like Nebraska. And uh, I don't care if Nebraska fans hate me because I hate most of them. But Nebraska is going to hate on Ohio State because that's what they do. And they're pissed off because they haven't done anything since joining the Big Ten. And Ohio State gets their way. Yeah, it's got to be uh, like Maryland fans. Have they even Have they <laughs> applied Big Ten pride yet? It's still early, right? I, you know, Missouri and the SEC. I don't know that Missouri fills the SEC pride. Um like a like a, a Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina might. Yeah, I can't speak for Maryland fans or Rutgers fans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't I don't mean any uh, meanness towards them. They're, they probably don't have that Big Ten pride, and that's nothing against them. It takes a while to gain that pride. Nebraska is an interesting situation where they they honestly should have been a Big Ten team from the start. I feel like what, their school just makes sense in the Big Ten, and that's not a diss on Maryland or Rutgers. That was more of a TV rights thing and getting more of a airtime over there. I just they don't make as much sense in the general just the Big Ten. It's going to be more of a Penn State situation where it's going to take a few more years to be truly ingrained in that Big Ten. Yeah, now that we're uh, more into basketball season as well, I, uh, I've reached the point where two or three times at least during the spring semester of sports, I have to remind myself, wait a minute, Maryland playing against Michigan, that's not a non-conference game. They are in the Big Ten. They're not in the ACC. Basketball is where I get really confused. Uh, we'll, we'll continue with a few more thoughts on the championship game. We know that it's Ohio State and Alabama, two teams you're probably used to seeing at this point in the season. We'll hit that coming up in the final segment of – Locked on college football and betonline.ag. They are helping us with a look ahead, Andrew, each and every day on the Locked On Podcast Network with what are the odds for the Heisman? They told us, hey, Devontae Smith's a big favorite here, or for the national championship game, or college basketball going on every day. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, they have all kinds of sports. The NFL playoffs starting up this weekend, and you can get in on the action at betonline.ag. 
Yeah, there's literally only one. I mean, I, I put a lot of money on games. I really enjoy the aspect of sports gameplay. It keeps me interested in games that don't actually matter. And there's only one place I go that has me covered that I can trust. And I wouldn't tell anyone about this unless I truly trust them because I do like to be very careful with my money while risking it all at the same time. And that is betonline.ag though. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That's right. When you deposit your money, they're actually going to give you more money so you can put a little bit even more money in your pocket. That's how that all works out. Like you said, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and do not forget to use that promo code locked on. Receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Andrew, we mentioned a moment ago the NFL playoffs start this upcoming weekend. Don't forget about Locked On NFL. They have you covered on everything going on heading into week one of the NFL playoffs, plus coaching changes, what's going on there, a lot of rumors. They will cover you on Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And that show, by the way, will be talking about a lot of players from this national championship game probably pretty soon as the NFL draft will follow there. A lot of guys are going to be drafted very high. Uh, you could have Justin Fields maybe in the number two spot. I still think Trevor's the favorite to be the number one pick, but maybe the Jets or somebody else go for Justin Fields. This is a, another opportunity. Justin Fields showed out against Clemson. If he has a big showing and wins the title against Alabama, you want to talk about the hype meter. It will be pegging, and maybe he'll get some talk down there in Jacksonville. You mentioned you think Alabama will win the game. Alabama's my pick. But I think Ohio State has a shot here. If Ohio State can score and the defense can hold up, I'm not going to put a lot of expectations on the defense because Alabama has a Heisman Trophy winner at wide receiver and a finalist at quarterback. But I think Ohio State has a, a shot here. The uh, The point spread has been around where it was against the Clemson game. So the, the odds going in are about the same. And look at what Ohio State did with the odds in that last one. Yeah, I mean – it's tough, right? Because I think Alabama's defense is weaker than it has been in the past. It has looked pretty good as of late. Um, mm -hmm. Ohio State's defense is also weaker than it has been in the past, especially on the passing defensive side. But they did a good job of containing Trevor Lawrence and getting to him pretty quickly and making him have to rush his throws. With that all being said, I just don't – again, I don't – I know we did this last week. I hope I eat my words. I don't see a scenario where Alabama loses this game. They are on a mission. You talk about motivation, and by the way, I want to call out the fact that I really dropped the ball in that Florida-Oklahoma game. I actually ended up betting a lot of money on Oklahoma after I, like, listened to Dan Mullen's talk, and he said, this, you know, we're going to play a lot of backups. There's going to be a lot of young guys getting playing time. I was like – this guy isn't even, he's not even going to be trying in this game, which I know so you I listened to Dan Mullen over me. I tried telling you on the show last week. I know, I know. I listened, to, I'm sorry. I listened <laughs> to Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen over you, but um, I did want to call myself out for being terrible on that. And then also backtracking and betting on Oklahoma. Um, but I, I digress there. I, I just don't see how Alabama can't win this game, but what Ohio state did to Clemson does give me hope that they have enough time to put in a game plan. And again, there's longer time frames here. These two teams haven't faced each other a lot. So there's an opportunity there to catch them by surprise. And that Ohio State came out against Clemson with a fantastic game plan offensively where they were not allowing Clemson to actually get set defensively. They were coming in just going for it. And so I think this could be a very high-scoring game. Again, if Ohio State wants to win it, I think it has to be a high-scoring game. And then it comes down to one or two possessions because I don't see a way where they stop this Alabama offense. That's where I am, too. Also, this is a game where I don't think Alabama would have lacked for motivation. If they're playing Clemson, I, I highly doubt Alabama's overlooking Clemson, but that shouldn't be a concern here. Alabama has to respect the name of Ohio State. Seeing Ohio State do that against Clemson, and Ohio State put some things on tape for Alabama to prepare for 
Uh, you get a week and a half to get ready for the game. I think that Alabama will be ready and will probably just be too much. Do you expect a lot of points? Do you think both teams are going to put up a good amount of points in this game? Is this kind of a, a shootout back and forth kind yeah. of title game, assuming it's a competitive close one in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, the only way it wouldn't be is if I think I think Alabama does have the ability to potentially stop Ohio State, especially if Justin Fields is more hobbled than we are expecting. Again, I saw we saw him play against Clemson, but in the moment you have that adrenaline going, can he put it up again for another week or another game like that against Alabama? Um, possibly. But yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout. And honestly, a lot of these championship games in the past couple of years have been shootouts. So um, it kind of goes with the trend. It goes with the fact that both these teams' strengths lie on the offensive side of the ball, and the weakness is clearly on the defensive side of the ball. So I think it's going to be a blowout. Not blowout, yeah. a shootout. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, one other thing kind of from the previous segment, talking about fans, what are they pulling for, uh, Big Ten or SEC? Nationally, I do wonder, are some people going to come to the, quote, dark side of Alabama because – there's still a lot of people, I think, that don't like Ohio State being in the championship game despite the blowout of Clemson because of the seven games, six before the playoff. I think that that is there, too, for non-Ohio State or Alabama fans, that they, they don't like seeing Ohio State have a shot at being an 8-0 and national champion. I can, I can understand where people would be concerned or upset that they've only played six or seven, you know, at this point, eight games. But at the same time, that's not that much less than the other teams have played in the grand scheme of things. What, two to three games? They played the schedule they should play. They played some of the best teams in the Big Ten. And I know people are going to talk about the Big Ten being down. I don't think it was down so much as the Blue Bloods were down and some of the other teams rose to the top. We saw Northwestern take down a solid Auburn team, um, a ranked Auburn team as well. So I think, to me, it's a little bit frustrating to hear that because they were they did what they could. Right, they did the best they could given the situation they were granted or given, and they took down a Clemson team. You can call that dumb luck, but if they take down Alabama and they took down Clemson, you cannot deny that they deserve that trophy. Now, if they go to Alabama, they go up against Alabama and they lose by thirty or forty. All right, I can see saying, "Man, it's a little bit ridiculous." Maybe putting them in after only playing that many games. But again, you still have to look back at the fact they beat Clemson by that much. I, I think the argument is just ridiculous, and people need to realize again that this year. 2020 it's what it is you know we're, we're gonna get some weird results we're gonna get some weird schedules we're gonna get some weird records coming into these games yeah if Alabama blows out Ohio State or wins comfortably I would just chalk that up to this Alabama team being one of the best that we've seen it's not going to go down as as the greatest or maybe even in the conversation because of still a lack of games even though they're they're perfect in um, in a full SEC schedule plus blowing out Notre Dame and in this scenario beating Ohio State comfortably but that win against Clemson, to me, is what I would point to and say, hey, you know what? They did play a lighter schedule, but my guess is they're still blowing out Maryland if they play that if they play that game. I know Indiana kept them closer, but Indiana's a better team. Indiana's a solid team mm-hmm. you know, this year. So I don't look at it that way. It's a different kind of year. I also know that Ohio State wanted to play. It's not like they were ducking teams. They weren't. Tr- they were, Ohio State was at, at the front of the line saying, let us play, let us play, and, and they got their shot. They're a good team. I mean, let yep. it, I'm not a fan of using only the eye test. The eye test tells me Ohio State's a really good team and uh, it's going to have a shot at winning the national championship. Is it different if Ohio State's an 8-0 national title team? Sure. Who's going to forget what happened in 2020? So if they win it, I'm going to tip my cap. If, If you can knock off Alabama, you are a deserving national champion in my mind. All that being said, I think Alabama is going to win. So you and I are aligned in our picks here, which should Ohio uh, should excite Ohio State fans. Fade us. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, Ohio State knows it's an underdog. See if you can shock the world. You did against Clemson. 
take your shot against Alabama. And if Ohio State wins, then I will be recognizing Ohio State as the national champion. 100%. And it's one game. If, if Alabama and Ohio State played nine, 10 times this season, I do believe Alabama wins at least nine of those games. But uh, if you've ever watched Little Giants, one of the greatest dumb football movies I've ever watched, all it takes is one time. And Ohio State can win that. And I, I, I agree. I think Ohio State deserves to be there. I'm going to be rooting for Ohio State. I don't think they're going to win. I hope I'm wrong. I was wrong basically on everything last week. And, you know, I don't like to call myself out. But I was wrong on basically everything last week. So hopefully I'm wrong this week. Hopefully you're wrong. Hopefully Ohio State's the national champion. Both teams are planning to use their starters. We do know that for the national title game coming up on Monday. And there is still plenty of time to break down the game coming up on Monday with shows Thursday, Friday, and Monday. We are here five days a week, locked on college football. So are your conference shows and your NFL shows and locked on bets. Keep following, go subscribe, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That is a big help with Locked On College Football available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Andrew, fun as always. Thanks, and I'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely, man. Talk to you later, buddy. Thanks for being with us here on a Ward and Wade Wednesday on Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.